Good. Today, the lectionary passage, you know, I'm preaching from the lectionary, and the lectionary is one of those things that gives you scriptures every three years. We change it around. A, B, C is the year. We're in year C. Anyway, so I picked the Psalm 42, which we sang about today, because that was one of the lectionary passages, and also it was in the prayer that I had that Rogers read. Then another thing I picked is Galatians, the book of Galatians. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's a very short book. It's one of Paul's letters that he wrote to the people in Galatia. It's six chapters. So, you know, pick it up and read it. Six whole chapters there that you can read. But this is just a portion that we're going to look at today, verses 23 through 29. Now, Paul wrote those letters to the people in the churches in Galatia. He had been there before, and then he established these churches. I have no idea how many. It never tells us how many, but it says churches. We would call that new church development us Presbyterians, okay? The churches were composed primarily of Gentiles. Now, there were already Christians in Galatia, but they were Jewish people, Jewish Christians, and Paul had reached out to others that were not Jewish. So I ask questions when I read scriptures. How did that letter get around? I mean, who knew where the churches were? Have no idea. How did they pass a letter, whatever that letter was? have no idea. I, I don't know it. I just asked that question. Paul begins the book by reminding the people that he had been there before. Then he reminds them of who he was. And I loved what he said in the second chapter here. He said, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so I could be God's man. So he was talking about faith and law. We're going to figure that out. Also, if you know me at all, you know I kind of wander all over the place. And I was thinking, how do I proceed with this scripture? I'm sorry I even chose it. Um, so I was working on this, and there's a lot of p ways you could go and a lot of things you could pick up in this scripture. And so I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? Um, am I going to write a letter like Paul did? But I thought, no, I'm not going to write a letter to PCWS because Paul started his letter out calling these people foolish and irrational. If I did that, of course, I probably wouldn't be asked to preach again. That might be a good thing. I don't know about that, but whatever. But I thought, what do I do? So when I look at Scripture, this is kind of how I do it. You don't have to do it the same way. But I look at the whole at the scripture and I say what comes before came before it, what comes after it, what what's going on here? And then I look at different translations or paraphrases to see what they say. And so then I try to get to the meaning of what those verses are. I still didn't know what I was gonna do. I went to Iowa a week or so ago. Some of you know that. My aunt died. She was ninety-seven my last aunt, and so I went to uh, my home church and it was in Rudd, Iowa. That's where my church is. Well, it's out in the country, really, but it was a memorial service, and it was a true celebration. The pastor who is there at this time opened the service with this. She said, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith, 
as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Galatians 3, 26 to 27. I was knocked over the head. I thought, I've been struggling with Galatians for weeks, and I go to my home church, and that's the first thing I hear. I couldn't believe it. So I thought, okay, God, you're trying to tell me something here. I don't know what, but trying to tell something. So as we read this scripture today, let's pray together before we read this. Lord God, open our ears and our hearts as together we explore the word. Show us new insights to enrich our lives to become better disciples. Amen. Now you can look in your pew Bible if you want, but I'm going to read to you from um, our common English Bible, which is another um, translation. It came out early 2000s, I think it is. But it's sometimes a little easier for me to understand the way they translated this. So listen for God's word to you from Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Before faith came, we were guarded under the law, locked up until faith that was coming would be revealed, so that the law became our custodian until Christ, so that we might be made righteous by faith. But now faith has come, and we are no longer under a custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, if you are Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Thanks be to God. I still didn't know what I was going to do today, but this is what I've decided to do, so you'll have to just put up with me. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of what I would say to each question each verse, and kind of lay it out there so you can follow my train of thought. What was I thinking when I read through this particular passage? They, Paul says, before faith there was the law. Now laws, I think, are good. I call laws boundaries sometimes. You know, certainly glad that they have lanes on the highway as I drive so that nobody gets in my lane. Those are the laws we have, or boundaries that we have. We have fences that are good. They keep people out. They keep people in. They, they do that. But there are sometimes laws that need to be changed. This weekend, we are celebrating Juneteenth. Now, this has been celebrated in our country a long time, but just recently became a federal holiday. June 17, 2021, President Biden signed the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act into the law. I don't know if you ever knew about Juneteenth. I didn't. I must have read it in my history books about this, but I didn't remember. On June 19th in 1865 in Texas, 
the last state of the Confederacy proclaimed freedom for enslaved people. President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation on June, January 1, 1863. It took two years for people in our country to get this news across, you know, whatever. Two years. A long time for the law to be changed. This morning on the news, I saw the lady who had been, I can't remember her name, who'd been working to get this declared a national holiday for years. And she talked about how long she had done, she's 95, I think, and she talked about how long it had taken her to get this as a national holiday. And I thought, what a thing, you know, that we're celebrating. Freedom. We need to talk a lot about freedom. Now, Paul also told the people of the churches that when they became Christians, they became Christians because of their faith. Their faith did not mean that they had to follow the customs of the Jewish people. You were not excluded from Christianity because you did not adopt Jewish practices. So my question was, how many times in the church have we excluded people because they did not follow our traditions or our rules? Now our church, the Presbyterian Church, not just this church, but all Presbyterian churches, have a lot of rules. I'm a Presby lifelong Presbyterian, I know that. We have a book of order, and boy, do we adhere to that book of order. Sometimes it says you shall do this, sometimes it says you may do this. But we have rules. But rules have changed over the years. As I sat in the pew in my home church, I thought about how the church had excluded me from taking communion until I was confirmed. That was the way it was. And I see some of you shaking heads. I was so curious about that sacrament. I kept wondering what's so special about that bread that my dad took and passed over us kids to my mom so we wouldn't touch it. What was so special about that sacrament, what they were taking, what they were eating? Did it make you more holy? Now, I'm kind of weird. I told you that before. You know, I used to play communion. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but I don't know if you did, but I made my brother and sister sit down, and I would serve them communion. I would go get a slice of bread. I would put sugar on it. <laughs> I would cut it up and have Kool-Aid, and I would make them eat it. I don't know what I said, but I played communion. It's kind of strange. Um, but then when I got confirmed in that church and I got to take communion for the first time, I thought, this is nothing special. I mean, really? <laughs> now, later on, it became a little bit more special to me to do that, but at the time, it didn't. The church had excluded me from that particular sacrament. I worked in another, well, I worked in many congregations, as some of you know, and one time a little girl in kindergarten came up to me after worship, and she just looked me in the eye, and she said, I am so mad at you. 
I said, why? What, what did I do? You made me skip the juice because you sent me to Sunday school. She was livid. And I thought, you know, that's a good learning for me. Yeah, we excluded those kids from the sacrament. We say all are welcome at the table. Not really. Then I wondered about my home church if we excluded people. Well, I'm sure we did, because that church I grew up in is filled with my relatives, believe me. There were the Oranges and the Brandes and the Schmitz and the Apples, and we were all related to one another. We were part of God's family, but we were very, very different. There were different beliefs about ways to farm. I grew up on a farm, ways to farm. Many different beliefs about politics. There were many arguments, but we were family. We were stunned if anybody came to the church that was not related to us. <laughs> My guess is that we excluded folks. I don't know that, but I know we did. I'm sure we did. And a couple of weeks ago, when I sat there with my siblings and my cousins, my first cousins, my second cousins, my third cousins, we knew each other, I thought, I'm sure we excluded people from our church. So then my next question was, do we exclude people here at PCWS? I've learned a lot about this congregation in the kind of short time that I've been a member. This church is fairly young, though, you know. It's only 67 years old. It was started in 55. I found that out. I looked it up. I know that there are people in this congregation who have been here for a very long time. I know that there are people who are related to each other in this congregation. So I looked on our website, and this is what it says. PCWS is a welcoming, intergenerational, and mission-focused community seeking to reflect God's inclusive love. What do you think, folks? Are we reflecting God's inclusive love? I think that's a great question for us to consider and think about. I'm not going to answer it, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to think about that. I'm going to be thinking about that too. What do folks need to know about this congregation? If you come here to worship, do you need to know the history of the congregation? Need to know what a Presbyterian is? Yeah, maybe. Can we just come and worship and learn and serve together because we are part of Christ's family? Are all people welcome here? Those are questions that I have. I've been blessed to be in many different churches over the years. Most of them have the word Presbyterian in them, but oh, they're so different. Are they inclusive? Some of them are. Are they dedicated Christians? I'd say yes. Are they children of God? Yes. So then I looked up and read on, and I said, well, you know, every church has a particular way of doing things. In one of my offices, I had a poster that said, 
These are the seven last words. We've always done it this way. Okay. It took me a while to get used to saying the Lord's Prayer during the children's moment in this congregation. Now it just kind of happens and I don't think about it. But when a visiting pastor asked me about it, I click again on and I think, yeah, it's different. We don't always do it that way. Not every church does the same order of worship. There are things listed in our book of order of what we need to include in worship, but everybody does it different. Does it matter? I don't think it matters to God. Yesterday was another big day. General Assembly started. For those of you who don't know, General Assembly is a wonderful gathering of Presbyterians all across the country. They're meeting in Louisville. This is their 225th General Assembly meeting. I don't know how many folks are there, but it's hybrid, and you can pop on the website. I don't know if you will or not, but if you want to find out how to get on, I'll certainly tell you. There are commissioners from every Presbytery in our denomination meeting together. They meet to worship together, to discern the questions that people have sent to them together, to look at overtures, to change our book of order. And believe me, when I looked at that worship service yesterday, I see there are many, many different kinds of Presbyterians all over. Some of them are gray like me. Some of them are young and in high school. You can tell there are youth at Valley Zoo delegates. Tattooed, non-tattooed, nose rings, some nose rings. Some people dressing with ties, others. It's a different, different, different people. So Paul goes on then to say that all of us, however you look, are children of God. Paul talks about clothing yourself with Christ. He's talking about transformation that God has done in their lives and in our lives. Clothing yourself with Christ means to be a truly changed person. How do we do that? How do we put on godly characteristics that are reflection of Christ, I wonder? Now, Paul addresses that in Romans, which he also wrote to Romans. And he says this in chapter 13. The commandments don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't desire what others have, and any other commandments are all summed up in one word. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love doesn't do anything wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is what fulfills the law. Hmm. Yesterday, one of the co-moderators was preaching at General Assembly and quoted Micah, you know. What does the Lord require of you but to, you know, do justice, love humbly, and walk, and walk love, God, love kindness, walk humbly with your Lord. Those are the things that we need to do to find out how we clothe ourselves with Christ. We look, need to look in Scripture. It gives us a glimpse of how we might live our lives. No division, no Jew, non-Jew, no slave, no free. We all have a common relationship with Christ Jesus. And Rogers nailed it today, right? He told us, okay, 
You did. That's, that's great. He built the church all different ways and all different ways to put things together because we are one in Christ. That's what you said? One in Christ. So I thought, okay. Then <laughs> this scripture ends with this. It talks about us being descendants of Abraham. How, what does that promise? What about Abraham? You know where that's found back in Genesis? Look that up too, you guys. I looked them all up. In 12, uh, 1 to 3, it's when Abraham is moving the family to Canaan. And the Lord says to him, this is in 12, 1, Leave your land, your family, your father's household for the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse you, curse you. Those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. We are descendants of Abraham. And so God's talking to me again as I'm looking through a magazine called the Presbyterian Outlook. There's a book out called Father Abraham's Many Children. I found that yesterday. There's an old Sunday school song that I'm not singing to you, but it's about fathers eight children. You know what? Oh, Steph, if I'd known you know that, I would have had you play it. I didn't know that. So, Father Abraham, oh, that's wonderful. Okay, <laughs> you can't, that's okay, good. But this book says, Father Abraham's Many Children. And the guy who, re I don't know the author, but I think I'm going to get it. It was just published um, January, something like, yeah, January 4th, 2022. The man who reviewed it said, I grew up in an evangelical tradition, and I began to exit that tradition as a college freshman especially after a world's religion class that year, I began to search for a more inclusive theology, one that would not condemn friends and neighbors of different faiths. Tyler D. Mayfield's Father Abraham's Many Children is exactly the sort of book I craved at that time. It came out. I might ask some of you to join me in that if you want to do that. Just a thought. It's another thing that God's hit me on the head with, you know. So then, uh, because we're following the lectionary, as I told you before, we're not the only church concentrating on Galatians. And I get a daily devotion each day from the Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago. And wouldn't you know, a couple days ago, here comes Galatians 3, 23 to 29, uh, this comes out every day, and it's written by different members of that congregation and different pastors in that place. So this, the man who wrote this, I don't know, but he said, this passage reminds me of Jesus' instruction to love your enemies. Sometimes we just have to leave it to the rest of the saints, and we don't do it. But how can we be expected to act so Christ-like? Paul's reminder that there are no distinctions among us is more subtle, more practical, more achievable. It's still very difficult for some of us, and by us, I mean me. This open mindset can take a lifetime of unlearning and struggle. 
self-assessment confession. Habits and lazy thinking often set me on cruise control, but Paul's words are as clear as my first grade teachers. With repetition and work, this feels like an outlook I can achieve, and equipped with that outlook, I think maybe I can get better at the work God has laid before us. What a thing that would be for us to get better at the work that God has laid before us. So as I look through Galatians and thought about the things that I had questioned in that scripture, that I'm hoping you will question and work through with me, I want us to remember inclusion, not exclusion, Clothe yourself with Christ. How do you do that? And that there is no division in Christ's family. And when I thought about no division in Christ's family, another song popped into my head, Stephanie. All God's children got a place in the choir. Some sing low and some sing higher. Some sing out loud on a telephone wire, but everybody claps their hands. Everybody's got a place in the choir. We are all God's children. So people, as you think about Galatians, think about those things. Inclusion, not exclusion. Clothe ourselves with Christ, and there is no division in Christ's family. Amen.